theatrical shenanigans with Marsha Epic Harris. Hello there and welcome to this episode 8 of Theatrical Shenanigans as we toddle towards the end of our first series. Don't worry though, we still have plenty more wonderful audio plays for you to listen to because, well, that's why we're here. For those who haven't encountered this voice before, I am Rachel Feeney-Williams and every fortnight I am your host and introduce you to a new audio play by playwrights all across the world and then have a wonderful and intriguing chat with a guest. So my guest for this week is another guest from across the pond with an incredible list of achievements that would exhausted me if I listed them all. She is Marsha Epic-Harris. Hello, Marsha. Hi, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. So you, as I said, uh, obviously hail from the land across the pond um, with a list of achievements that can only be described as insane. Um, but on this show, I do like to start uh, right at the beginning. How did you get started in the arts world? I was um, always very interested in reading uh, when I was a young kid. Um, and I just got fascinated with books uh, ever since then. And so when I realized that, you know, writing was something that you could do with your life, um, I decided <laughs> I wanted to be a writer. <laughs> I think when I was 11 or 12, I read Gone with the Wind, which is about a thousand page novel. Oh, and uh, <laughs> and I, I did not like the ending of it. And so I decided I was going to pull out a old typewriter and write a sequel to it that fixed the ending. Um, oh, and this, wow. was be- <laughs> this was before... Uh, the the actual sequel Scarlet came out so I was um, oh gosh I guess 12 when all that happened um, when I was writing the sequel and so I wrote about a 150 page sequel to Gone with the Wind which I now cannot find but um, that was in uh, yeah that was in 1988 I believe so um, anyway I and I loved writing and um, and I've always been doing it um, as far as playwriting is concerned, though, I, I never even thought about being a playwright because I had always written I had always written fiction. Hmm. Um, and then when I went to graduate school, I fell in love with Shakespeare, and I um, and I decided to focus on plays, uh, Shakespeare and dramatic literature, for my graduate studies. And, um, and that sort of got into my fiction a little bit. I was writing really dialogue heavy fiction. Um, Somebody suggested to me at some point, you know, you should write plays if you, if you teach plays and study plays. I'd done that for, you know, 20 something years. And, uh, and I said, you know, maybe I'll try that. And now I, I love, love writing plays. Um, But you're, you're also the founder of two separate theatrical companies is that not right yeah so so I'm the founder of South Bank Theatre Company um and uh we have been around since about the middle of uh 2021 so we're still fairly new um and I'm also uh one of the founders of the Indiana Playwright Circle which is a a a group that is part of the Indiana Writer Center and our mission is the development of um, playwrights and plays and playwriting and, and theater arts. Um, and so uh, I lead a scene night every Wednesday uh, from 6.30 to 9. And we've been doing that for a little over three years. Um, that started in September of 2019. 
And it's been really, really important to me um, uh, to continue that, especially through the pandemic when, you know, people thought, oh gosh, why am I writing plays? Is this ever going to, are we ever going to get back into the theater? And um, so we continued our scene nights on Zoom and we were able to um, keep, keep writing and, and it's been really a wonderful community for me. Um, and actually since the pandemic, it's gone um, international, really. It was the same for myself with the, the, the Literary, Literary and Discourse Society because we run on a Sunday. And again, we started kind of in the height of the pandemic because as a creative, it's very easy to be swallowed up by the idea of theatres not being open and not being able to go to rehearsals and thinking, as you said, what's the point in continuing to write if no one's ever going to see it? And we read plays, we read plays exclusively by our members. So they get a chance to at least hear the play read um, and get feedback as well, which I think is such an amazing supportive thing. Um, I know obviously you yeah. are familiar with uh, the new play exchange uh, service yes. as am I. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, you have an, a, a wonderful array of plays. I've read quite a few of them myself. Um, but you obviously have written in, in many styles and in many different genres. Do you have a favourite? Are you kind of a, are you set on playwriting now or do you still kind of flip back and forth between the two? You know, I love writing plays so much because um, one of the things I always struggled with when I was writing fiction was description. Like mm. I um, I don't really want to know what the the hills and trees look like and you know what her dress was like and everything. I um, am more interested in the relationships and the human exchange. And some writers can do that really well, hmm. um, you know, uh, you in include, you know, world building and description and, and whatnot. Um, and I always had a harder time with that. So dialogue to me is um, sort of the most natural way to write. Yeah. Um, so I really, really love writing plays. So now we move on from our playwright guest to our playwright this week. Jessie Salisbury is a Kansas City playwright and a resident with the Midwest Dramatist Centre. Since 2014, she's also been a playwright for 365 Women a Year, a playwriting project. And as if that wasn't enough, she is also a proud member of the Dramatist Guild, as well as being the playwright of our wonderful play for this week's show. Her play this week is entitled The Last Week and looks at the difficult relationship you have with someone who's dying. Jessie utilised her own personal experiences and emotions to explore not only death but the idea of anticipatory death as well as the relationships the dying have with those they bond with in their final days. Theatrical Shenanigans presents The Last Week by Jessie Salisbury. What day is it? It's Friday, the 10th of June. Ah. I think I'll make it until Monday. You think so? Yeah. I think one more Sunday will be enough. You think you can predict or plan to the day? I'm sure you've seen it. Well, I've seen it at times. I've seen people wait until family members arrive or, or until family members leave. 
I've never had anyone decide, though, on a date and pick it out of the air. I just want to be in control of something. So I think it might be something fun to shoot for. Take, take bets, maybe. Take bets? You and the girls at the front. I, I, I can say Monday. You and the girls at the front can place bets whether or not I hit that date or not. I can buy lunch for whoever hits the bet on the day I hit. Mr. Jorgen, I can't take any of your money. Well, how am I going to be good on my bet? I can't place a bet on something like that. Well, i got to have something fun to do around here. It'll give me something interesting to think about. What day will it be? Is there anything you want to read? Anyone you want to call? Nah, I can't imagine there's anyone left willing to talk to me. Anywhere you want to go? You're, you're feeling well enough. Right now? Yes, right now. Well, you know that'll change, but, but right now you are doing well. We could take a drive somewhere. Nah, I think I'm okay right here. You uh, ever have anyone else that had absolutely no visitors? No one that wanted to be there at the end? Well, sometimes. Serial killers? No. Most prisons have internal hospice programs. <laughs> are you telling me that you are a serial killer? <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, that would be definitely more interesting. Do you want to talk about anything? I've got a moment before my rounds. I just thought my daughter might show. But that ship sailed. Oh. What happened? My fault. I thought I apologized, but sometimes apologies aren't enough. Do you want me to call her? Well, sometimes an authority advising there's only a few days left can help. No, I appreciate it. Will you do a death notification? Did you give a list when you completed paperwork, when you checked in? Yes. If you put her on that list, we will do the notification. Oh, but, but wouldn't you rather try again before you give up? Uh, seems like begging at this point. I, I think it might be worth a try. Eh, seems like too much water under the bridge. If you're stubborn enough to die on a certain day, seems like you can be stubborn enough to try to get your daughter to come and visit you before you go. <laughs> I'm sure I could, but I don't know that I can take another rejected call or another unreturned voicemail. Is there anyone else I should call? Nah, I've decided that this is something that I need to do on my own. I'm tired of calling people. We will be here. As many nurses as you want in the room. Well, that is comforting. Are you sure that you don't want music playing? I think I just would like the windows open so I can hear the birds and the rustling of the trees outside. We're supposed to get storms on Monday. Is, is that why you're waiting until Monday? Oh, I love sleeping during a thunderstorm. 
you remember that sound is the last sense to go. I remember you mentioning that. We will definitely keep the windows open. We can even move the bed closer to the window so you can hear the storm better. Won't the carpet get wet? Well, it's not the most unusual thing we've done. We've had, oh, sleepovers, brunches, drinking parties. <laughs> we can work out the carpet. I can talk to the maintenance supervisor. He may have an idea for keeping the water out of the window, but still giving us a good way to listen to the storm. Do you remember when it's supposed to start storming? Ah, it's supposed to storm all day, but the big storm's supposed to happen in the afternoon. Will you be here in the afternoon? I work a, a 12-hour shift, starting at 7 p.m. Well, I don't think it'll still be here by then, if the storm's dying down by then. You've got it timed, down to the last hour. Yeah. You might want to change your shift, if you don't mind. I've enjoyed talking with you, and I'd like to go during the thunderstorm. I think that would make me the happiest. During thunder and lightning and hearing the sound of the rain on the window. I think that would be the way to go. That'd be my favorite. I understand if you can't be here, but that would be my choice if you could be here. I can make arrangements, sure. But it might be safer to be here while it's storming, rather than oh, driving during the storm. Yes, I agree. Do you want anything else? Besides the storm. Anything else that we can arrange for you? My ex-wife drank Pabst Blue Ribbon. Oh, do you want some of that? Oh, God, no. That stuff's disgusting. She's my ex-wife. No, I... I'd like some Coors if you can get me some. Just one. Is that okay? I think today, before I start getting too tired, Yes, I can get you one. Oh, how I wish it were storming today. Or if it were storming all weekend, a beer and a thunderstorm would be absolutely divine, don't you think? Well, I can't fully control the weather, but, well, hand me your phone. I can't fully control the weather, but I can go and get your beer and you can sit here and enjoy it, listening to your thunderstorm. You can get prepared for Monday. That sounds wonderful. Okay, just wait right here. I'm not going anywhere. Well, anything else besides the paps? Paps! Oh, sorry. Of course. Of course, yeah, absolutely. Okay, cause. I'll get that for you today. Anything else besides that? No, that will be good. Okay. You take care and, and hold tight. I'll get you that cause. And I'll be back.
I definitely think I'm going to need a moment after that one. That was Darren Ingram as John and Gilly Fick as Ramona in The Last Week by Jessie Salisbury. So, Marsha, first impressions, first thoughts? Yeah, you know, what's really funny is, this is very random, but um, Jessie Salisbury actually came to our, uh, our Zoom scene night um, a few weeks ago before I got this play and brought this play to our scene night. So I actually... Oh, wow. Yeah, it's funny. Um, so I met her and, um, and, you know, we heard the the piece read and, um, and then I listened to this and read this and thought, Oh, my gosh, I know this, I know this person. <laughs> and, um, and my, my first impression, uh, the first time I read it, and then the second time, um, you know, thinking, Oh, my gosh, I know this. Uh, is just how very, very relatable it was. Uh, it made me think about how uh, being far away from a family member and they pass away, uh, how that affects you differently from the people who are actually there. It also kind of, this is really strange, but it also kind of reminded me of what it's like to be pregnant and waiting for a child to be born, you know? Hmm. Um, it gets you into this like primal mindset that, you don't normally have um, in your everyday life, you know, like what's what's really going to happen to me physically, mentally, emotionally? Um, am I going to survive this? Am I not? And, you know, when you're contemplating death and you know that death is coming, everybody's going to die. Um, but we don't think about it every day because otherwise, how could you live your life? Yeah. Um, but when you know that it's coming, if you know that you're in hospice, perhaps he has cancer, um, you know, he knows that it's coming. Um, it's almost like having a due date and mm. you're just waiting for it and waiting for it. I think that death is just like that for us. It's something that we still, we know it's coming and we know that everybody goes through it, but it's also something that we have to wonder a little bit about. So death is sort of the last great mystery. And what is it about humans that make us think, you know, I'm just going to submit to that mystery, which is something that John does. Um, and he wants to do it in a particular way uh, with a particular person, someone who has been kind to him someone who doesn't know his history. We don't know his history. No. We know that he's estranged from his daughter. We don't know why. And, uh, and so it's, it's interesting what's left out of this play. And I think that I like it because there is a mystery to it that um, in a way it's like, it doesn't matter what he's dying of and it doesn't matter what he's done. What matters is that he's facing this most terrifying thing um, in a in a manner that is, you know, calm, accepting, and resigned. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I found it really, really fascinating. Um, what did you think of the play? Well, I think um, going back to what you said about uh, the idea of control and death being inconvenient. I think that's almost why uh, John is so determined that he is going to go on that Monday. He's like, right. I'm seeing one more Sunday and then that's it. Whether it will happen or not that way is an entirely different um, idea. But he has decided, because this is probably the one thing in his life that he can maybe have some kind of, I don't know, subconscious say over. Like if he tells his brain 
he is ready to go, then his body will shut down in response. Um, right. So I think he is trying to take that control back in a in a way because he, as you say, he's estranged from his daughter. He knows that is not well. He says to to Ramona, "That's that's ship has sailed. There's, that's not going to happen." Right. Uh, and he's making it so that his end is something he has complete control over. You know, he's asked Ramona to change her shift so she's there. He's convinced by the day. He's convinced by the weather. And you think this guy has probably got so little control over anything else that happens probably to his body and to his family and to his friends. This is the one thing he's trying to pull back. Um, so for me, it was fascinating in that way. But then at the same time, you end the play no- never knowing whether he goes, when he goes, what happens to him. It's just his consideration in that brief period between himself and Ramona of what he wants to happen at his end and how he is going to attempt to control that. I'm actually kind of glad that we don't find out. Mm. Um, One of the things that makes this play work for me is sort of the mystery of it, you know? And it's also really interesting to me uh, in sort of a subtextual way, um, how Ramona has not known him his whole life and doesn't know him super well. She's just been taking care of him. Um, but apparently she is fond enough of him to uh, be willing to change her shift and things like that. Um, and, uh, and so it, it kind of makes me think about, um, again, I'm not a religious person, but Um, Is there such a thing as grace that can be offered to other human beings? Mm. Um, And uh, I mean, at one point she says, well, are are you a serial killer? (laughs) You know, Uh, but I mean, it's just like a joke. Right. But uh, at the same time, um, you know, it, it signifies to me that it really doesn't matter what he's done before she's going to be there for him um, because, you know, this is, this is the end and it it feels like there's some responsibility for being there for a person um you know so that they can ease out of this life Mm. but for me it's a it's kind of it's hit the trifecta really because it's a it's a play that makes you think it's a play that will make you feel uh whether you have lost someone whether you are concerned about losing someone whether you're concerned about your own end but it's also a play where you come away with, as you say, a million questions about mm-hmm. what he's done, what's caused this distance between him and his daughter, why is he dying, what is he dying of? Um, and you come away with all those questions. And for me, that's a great thing about theatre is because you you leave the theatre with all these questions and you sit down in the pub with your friends for like, you know, an hour, two hours over several glasses of wine and literally just bang these questions at each other. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, for me, the a measure of a good play is whether or not you can have a really long conversation about it. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, if somebody goes to see a play of mine or anyone else's and they walk out of it and say, that was nice. Okay, what's next? You know, yeah. like they, don't, they don't sit on it for a while and think about it for a while. I, I feel like that would be a failure. Um. So I say we are running uh low on time so um asha for your kind of final final thoughts of the piece i suppose the best way to put it yeah um you know i think that um 
for me, uh, you know, the connection to the thunderstorm is really interesting. Um, my, my dad and I uh, actually used to sit on our front porch and watch thunderstorms when I was a kid. And so I really connected with that um, emotionally and sort of my own uh, story being brought to this play. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that for me, uh, the connection to the thunderstorm is, is sort of a way of thinking about death being a part of the natural world and how the natural world um, and death are both such mysteries to us. And I wish that we would sort of give into those mysteries a little bit more and, um, and allow us to sit with the ambiguity of not knowing. Mm. Um, so I think that, um, I think that death is what allows life to have meaning. And, um, and if we can find those small things to make our lives, uh, good and pleasant and meaningful, um, it can make up for a lot of bad stuff. Mm. Yeah, I do. I think, I think this play has captured all of that, which is remarkable in a place, in a play that's, uh, that's not that long. But Marsh, thank you so much for being with us and discussing this wonderful play. It's been wonderful to have you. Oh gosh, anytime. It was such a pleasure. Absolutely loved it. (laughs) And there we conclude another episode of Theatrical Shenanigans. I hope you've enjoyed the play and listening to my conversations with Marsha today. And if you have, feel free to get in contact and tell us so. We are on Facebook under Theatrical Shenanigans and on rss.com with all our previous episodes. I hope you can join me again in a fortnight when we'll have a piece by another British playwright. But in the meantime, I've been Rachel Feeney-Williams, this is Theatrical Shenanigans, bringing down the curtain and saying, I hope you can join me next time. Theatrical Shenanigans was an RFW Scripts production, with music written and produced by Chris Cody.